Hello and welcome to this podcast from Fields Church. We hope it inspires you in these challenging times. This message of encouragement is from our church elder, Andrew Gort. And if you'd like to know more about Fields Church, then why not visit our website at www.fieldschurch.uk. Hey church, how are we doing? A hearty, warm welcome to all of our Fields Church family and all those guests that may be joining us today. Welcome to this Sunday service. I'm your host today. My name's Richard. I'm the pastor of the church. We want to share some exciting things that we're going to be involved with over the coming weeks. We've been running a prayer meeting every day since the first lockdown in March 2020, and we're going to continue doing that uh, from January 2021 onwards. The next thing we want to share with you from Sunday, the 31st of January, We're going to have two weeks of prayer and fasting ending on Valentine's Day. We do this. We've done this for the last couple of years. And we know that most churches around the world do this at least once a year. They start their new year off, you know, really focusing on God, focusing on prayer, uh, denying the flesh. That's what fasting is about. And just drawing closer to God and praying about the things and fasting about the things that are on God's heart. The other exciting thing we want to share is on Sunday, the 31st of January, we're going to start six weeks of prayer every Sunday night for six weeks from the 31st of January. So please join us for that. We want to see breakthrough. We want to pray for breakthrough for our country. We want to pray for frontline workers doctors, nurses, those in hospitals, they're in, those in the care sector. We want to pray for schools, parents, children, teachers. They need our prayers right now. So we want to do that uh, over the coming weeks. The other thing we want to do is this morning is to share a video from one of our church members, a lady who joined us last year who gave her life to Jesus. And she's going to share a short testimony of what God has done in her life and her journey. Let's watch that now. Happy New Year, everyone. Let's just hope it's a healthier one and uh, we'll get this virus under control. I've been asked just to give a short testimony. Um, As you all know, I became a Christian on Palm Sunday, sitting on the toilet, listening to a message that Shirley had sent through to me. And it was all about intimidation and fear. And I realised that's how I'd lived my life. Uh, I suffered, I've suffered my throughout my life with depression and anxiety uh, and um, and then Palm Sunday when I listened to that message about intimidation and fear I thought I can change my life I heard that prayer at the end and I said that prayer and it's meant, it's changed my life completely. I've I've really become a different person. Uh, I recently did an Alpha course and um, I've suffered for years with my neck um, and had physiotherapy and 
and I think they were at the end of their tether as to what to do to help me. Um, but then I was talking about it on Alpha and the group prayed through Zoom um, a healing prayer for my neck. And before that, I was getting up every night and taking a painkiller. And then every morning I had taken a painkiller. It would be the first thing I did. But they did this healing prayer. And that night I went to bed and actually woke up in the middle of the night not in pain. And so I thought, I'll see how it is in the morning. And when I woke up in the morning, there was no pain. And ever since that night, I've not suffered with the pain again. Um, I can turn my head in the night. I can get up in the morning and not take painkillers. And it's really made a remarkable difference. And uh, on the 16th of December, I had to go to the physiotherapist who, when I said I'd had healing and it had worked, his mouth dropped to the floor um, with sheer shock, I think. Uh, but then he was asking me questions about the church and and what sort of denomination it was, and he was really interested. And I still have to have physio because I've got osteoporosis and arthritis in the neck, but I'm not waking with that terrible pain. Uh, God really has worked miracles on me, and I think the biggest thing has been that I now feel that I've belong somewhere and that I'm loved for who I am. I don't have to change. Um, and I want to thank everybody for making me feel so welcome. It, this has been my first Christmas where I knew the true meaning and it's been marvellous. I can't thank everybody enough from Fields family for accepting me and loving me and changing my life so much so that even my mum and my daughter has recognised the change. I'd just like to say thank you to you all. And I look forward to seeing you when this virus is over and we meet up in church. God bless you all. Bye. Wasn't that amazing? A, a, a credible testimony to see what God is doing in spite of lockdown. It's amazing to see that God is still interested in seeing people come to him, come to Jesus, surrender their lives to him, to see lives change. So we're really, really excited about that. You know, I'd like to now introduce 
our guest speaker for this morning, a son of the house, Andrew. He's part of our core team and one of the elders of the church. He's got a message titled, Don't Quit. So I want to tell you today, don't quit. And I just want to remind you about the cafe afterwards. All the details that I've shared this morning are in our email uh, that we send out on a Friday. So you should have that if you're a member of the church. If you know, want to know more about the church, you can email us at hello at fieldschurch.uk to get any information that you need. God bless you. We'll see you afterwards in the cafe. Good morning, Fields Church. A uh, very warm welcome to you this morning. Week three of 2021 already. Uh, you look marvellous this morning in your dressing gowns and onesies. Um, congratulations to all of you there. I see you've dressed up for the occasion. Well done for making the effort. So uh, uh, it's great to be with you again this morning and to be sharing some thoughts, um, some things that have been I've been pondering uh, in light of what we are going through at the moment and some just considering what God might be and saying to us and encouraging us in this time and uh, and I've been thinking of it in terms of some don'ts that God tells us don't do for instance um, uh, don't ask why ask what I think uh, we uh, I know I find myself very frustrated with the um, news on the radio and television these days because it seems to be so so adversarial and um, and uh, confrontational and the journalists are always wanting to sort of um, score points and 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 find fault and it gets if it's not it becomes it becomes very disheartening and you can get caught up in the anger and the frustration of it all and uh, there's a temptation to want to know why this is happening and who's caused it and who's to blame and and vent our frustration and, and that's not always the right question to ask and God starts saying not why this is happening or who's responsible but what is my response how can I help what are you doing father and what should I be doing with you in this time the the first don't I talked about yes last week was um, I don't like I said reframed as don't panic and I, I remember um, Corporal Jones in Dad's Army that was his favourite um, catchphrase don't panic and I put this one first for good reason one is because it's probably the most important and most oft um, expressed commander of God in the Bible. Um, I think the term do not be afraid um, alone is mentioned 70 times in the NIV and there are other expressions of that too. Like do not be alarmed or um, do not be concerned. So it's probably the most important thing God is saying to us throughout scripture and also, it's often the first thing he says when he encounters us. He wants to bring us into a place of, of trust in him before he will speak to us. He, he doesn't want us to, to find our help in 
in knowing the answers to the problems he wants us to find, first and foremost, our trust in knowing him, who is the answer in everything we face. I was talking to Steve and Marriott recently about listening reminded me of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I don't know who, who of you are of an age to remember this book by Douglas Adams, who went on to be made into a radio programme and, and a film. Um, both Steve and I loved it when we were younger. And uh, and it's a story about um, uh, an Earthman, Arthur Dent, who um, gets befriended by full prefect and they go hitchhiking around the galaxy and encountering all sorts of weird and wonderful things. But to guide them on that journey, they have a, an electronic book. Uh, I think it was uh, Douglas's Adam's Alternative to the Bible. And it was his guide to the galaxy. Because um, Douglas was a, a, an ardent atheist. So um, he was trying to find an alternative um, uh, handle on, on life. But on, on the front of this book, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, in big friendly letters, it had the, the words, Don't panic! And, uh, and one of the reasons it was given for this being the best-selling book in the universe was because it said, Don't panic! on the front. And I was thinking about this, I think, actually, that's quite an apt title to go on the front of the Bible. If, if what God says most of all in the Bible is, do not be afraid, I think perhaps it would be, I'm just wondering how many more of us would, would read our Bible if on the front, instead of saying the Holy Bible, it said, don't panic on the front. Perhaps we would be um, um, more ready to to pick that book up and actually discover that there is reason not to panic. So I think Douglas, you you probably knew the truth and you realised. But when I when I do read the Bible, I think now as I get older and when I read through the Bible, I actually find it more difficult to read than perhaps I did when I was younger. For this reason, I, I, I find myself becoming more acutely aware of the, the pain in the Bible of, of people's broken lives and the choices that they make and the trouble that leads to, and a growing frustration at how we as men are told by God to do this and, and then immediately go and do the other. And we're still doing that. And, and 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 reaping the fruit of our, our contrariness and our uh, our rebellion and our sinfulness, and and the Bible is, is is just doesn't shy away from from this um, pain that that we as men have found ourselves in. So it's difficult to read in that respect, but it's also in when you realise how, how painful it is, you see a God who doesn't distance himself in light of the decisions he we make as men, but he actually enters into these lives and from the perspective of, of coming to help, continually calling out, crying out to us and saying, turn back, turn back. And he never gives up on us. 
and he is there to be found and his peace is there to be found if we are prepared to accept it. I'm just reading Psalm 23 at the moment. I've been reading it for a few days now and um, in verse 4 of Psalm 23 says, even though I'm reading from the NIV here. It says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And that's the point. Even when we walk through darkest valleys, or even the valley of death, as many translations render it, can we say we will fear no evil because we know that he is with us in that valley? And we know that his rod and staff, they comfort us. What, do they, what does the rod and staff speak of? It speaks of his guidance, his protection, and his correction, that we might be kept safe. And now I remember showing a phrase that I feel God has given to me for this these messages and he says he provides what we need when we need it in whatever circumstance and what he is teaching us is in saying to us is don't be worried beforehand how you will meet the need because I will be there with you and I will give you what you need when you need it in whatever circumstance and he doesn't just because we're a Christian, it doesn't take, he doesn't take us out of the circumstances, but he, he goes through those valleys with us. So leading on from that, I want to speak a bit about my next don't, which is don't quit. Don't give up. Don't lose heart. Don't become complacent. Don't, through grief and offence, rebel. Don't become tired. So many different areas where we can be tempted, we can be pushed, pressured, coerced into quitting in this time for so many different reasons. Don't become complacent. Last week I mentioned that um, in the midst of famines and wars and tribulations, Jesus said to his disciples, do not be afraid, all these things must happen before I return. Um, they are a mark of the end times. And so these things are a mark of the time in which we live. Th these times ever, ever, um, ever since the ascension of Jesus to his return, um, these events will occur. And um, Jesus very clearly says that he is coming back. There, there is a setting right of things to come. There is a judgment to come. Like every good film where there are goodies and baddies, we, if you are like me, you enjoy the films the most and you look forward to the end of the film where the goodies prevail and the baddies get their just desserts and 
And in the same way, the Bible tells us that there is a reckoning to come. Justice will be served and good will prevail. But because it's been such a while since he said he was coming back and he hasn't come back, there's a temptation to be complacent. And although I said not any one of these events in in of itself will indicate when he is coming back, they they all should tell us that their world is in need and is expecting his return and is in travail until he does. So we shouldn't um, fall asleep. Last week we read from Mark 13, and that, uh, it would be good to go there again, Mark chapter 13, this morning, because further on in that chapter, he goes on to talk a bit about this in light of events to come. So let's, um, let's uh, look at Mark chapter 13. And, and starting at verse 32, let's read together. But about that day or hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with their assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight, or when the rooster crows. In verse 36 it says, If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. In saying that, I don't think this pandemic is necessarily the sign of his returning. That isn't a reason to, to sleep. We do not know when he comes. And um, Peter, in chapter 3 of the second letter, um, says this um, in verse 4. Also, verse 3, he says, Knowing this, he says, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. So everything is continuing as it is. Um, nothing to see here. Jesus isn't coming back. We need not be bothered. But in verse 8 he says, But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years. And a thousand years is as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance.
So we should not be complacent. We do not know when he comes back. So we should always be awake. Do not quit. So do not quit through fear and intimidation. Do not allow fear to grip you. Do not quit through complacency. Do not quit through grief or offence or disappointment or through tiredness. And uh, I just want to talk about those last two, the, the, the grief and the offence and the tiredness. Um, in terms of our walk with the Lord and, and in light of somebody who's been this path before us. That's uh, a man called King David. And just to give you, I'm going to give you a little bit of background to his story, but um, while I do, if you could turn, see if you can find one, um, a book called One Samuel in the Old Testament. One Samuel and chapter 30. And uh, so be looking for that while I give you a little bit of background. David was the youngest brother in a family of a number of brothers, the number of which I can't remember now, 11, I think, is it 12, something like that. And uh, he was given the menial task of um, going to, to look after the sheep. And God saw the heart of this young man and decided this was the young man who was going to be king over Israel. And he sent Samuel the prophet to him, called him to anoint David with oil and told him that he would be king of Israel. Wow, <laughs> what a thing. Not what he expected because his family was not particularly important and he was the youngest brother and so the, the least in line for any particular honour or, or position. Isn't that how God works sometimes? He takes the least of us to show his ability. So if you think you're the least, you're the qualified one. If you think you, you're weak or foolish, God says, I'd love to take the weak and the foolish to confound the wise and the strong. So um, do not let your thoughts of your inadequacy disqualify you. These are the very things that God takes and, and works through in us. So did, God did that with David. And David, um, you know the story probably that he um, went on to fight Goliath and beat the, the giant, became the hero, was taken into the court of Saul, um, became a favourite in the court, uh, became best friends with Saul's son Jonathan, they became covenant blood brothers, uh, a bond um, a really strong bond. They would go out and fight together um, the enemies of Israel and come back triumphant and he, David was fated as, as, as the hero in Israel. So everything was going according to God's promise through the prophet and in fulfilment of his call on his life. And then things started to take a turn for the worse. Saul became jealous and threw him out of the court. Then he became obsessed with killing David and hunted him down until there was no place for David to hide even in Israel. He had to leave his own country 
and form an alliance with his enemies. In this time, he was doing secret raids um, against the enemies of Israel, still fighting for Israel, even though he was an exile from the country. And on returning from one of these raids, he came back to his camp at Ziklag and found that his camp had been raided by a group called the Amalekites. And they had taken the wives and the children of David and all the men there and burned the camp and left nothing. And this was the lowest point in David's life. Here he was, he thought he was fulfilling God's purpose and was walking with God and, and everything went wrong. Rejected by those who should have been mentoring him, rejected from the country in which he was living, on the run, an alien abroad, and then left with nothing, even his family taken from him. And so just read a little bit now of how David reacts in this situation at this dark valley in his life. And in verse 4, I think, from 1 Samuel chapter 30, and I'm reading this in the Message Bible. David and his men burst out in loud wails, wept and wept until they were exhausted with weeping. David's two wives, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, widow of Nabal of Carmel, had been taken prisoner along with the rest. And suddenly David was and suddenly David was in even worse trouble. There was talk among the men bitter over the loss of their families, of stoning him. So what did David do in that situation? Lost everything, and now his men wanted to kill him. If there was an, an opportunity or a reason to quit, he had it. If there was a, a reason to take offence at God for what life, God's life had dealt him, here it was. But what did David do? It says in verse 6, David strengthened himself in the Lord. In the Lord is God. And my encouragement to us today is, is when we face and we are dispirited in, in light of things that we face or just tired, we need to strengthen ourselves in him. It's interesting in this story, after David strengthened himself, he said to Abiathar the priest, bring me the ephod, which was a, a means that they had of inquiring of God to find his will. It was after David had strengthened himself, met with the Lord, then he inquired his will. And that's what we need to do. We need to, to, to be pieced in him. We don't need. We don't want the 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 answer to what's going to happen to us to be the reason why we we are in peace. But because God is with us in the peace, in the in the situation, should be our peace. 
And then being at peace, we can hear his instruction more clearly. And God said, pursue the Amalekites and I will give you back all that was taken. And David did that with his men. Not all his men, some of his men were so tired they couldn't, they couldn't pursue all the way and had to stop. But because David had strengthened himself, he continued with about 400 other men. And they overtook the Amalekites and fought with them for a day and a night. And at the end of that, there were still 400 Amalekites, young Amalekites left, but they were had seen enough by then and fled. <laughs> this is supernatural strength that David and his men had. This was God-given strength that caused them to overcome. And we need that strength that comes only from God himself. There is no answer to our grief, our questions, the potential for our offence outside of meeting with him. If we want to try and find the answers without him, we will end up bitter and disillusioned and we will quit. But if we run to him, even in our darkest valleys, and find him there, we will find the strength to overcome. It's interesting that from that critical moment in David's life, going on then to um, overtake the Amalekites, it was after that that David received a call to go back to Israel because Saul had died. And the Israelites had asked for David to come back and be their king. So what would have happened if David had quit in that time, in that low point? And rather than turn to the Lord for strength, had shook a fist at him, or just given up in tiredness. But he didn't. What if David in that time had given up because he thought, oh God, I must have misheard God. Perhaps he isn't for me after all. Perhaps I wasn't the one because everything around me isn't working out how I thought it would. We must be careful not to allow circumstances sometimes to tell us how we're walking with God and whether we're in his purpose or not. So often our lives start out in God with joy and enthusiasm, with that first flush of um, exuberant love. But then it's tested and it's refined. And through it, God is strengthening us and, and, um, and seeing where our confidence lies. So don't quit. Don't give up. So whatever you are facing this Sunday and in the Sundays on the and the days to come, remember David. Remember the need to strengthen yourself in him. This is, this is a personal thing between you and the Lord. We're not called to, to draw on the strength of others. God wants us to draw directly from him. 
He's given us a door open through his blood that nobody can close into his very presence. We need to draw, we need to spend time in the word for ourselves, not just listening to others, as good as that is. We need to spend time praising God ourselves, not just listening to the praise of others, as good as that is. We need to spend time praying ourselves and not just asking prayer for others, as valuable as that is. To that end, we as a church will be barking in the near future in a call to, to, to have some special times of prayer as a church to set aside, to seek him. And I encourage us all to do that, to seek the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are with us in the storm and you never leave us or forsake us. And we can confidently say, Lord, you are my helper. I will need not be afraid. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to know more about Fields Church, would like to contact us or have prayer requests, please email hello at fieldschurch.uk and we'll get back to you. May God bless you this day.